Hey guys, welcome to episode number four of Life Story with Noah Chrysler. On this episode, I sit down and hear about the life story of my great aunt Janine. My great aunt Janine is 91 years old and she uh, she has had a very, very awesome life. On this episode, we hear all about how she used to um, fake sick in order to get out of gym class. We also hear about how her father raised turkeys to finance her education and ultimately send her to college after she grew up in a situation where that didn't seem like a likely scenario. We also hear about her experience uh, during World War II and how that affected her life and it affected uh, her relationship with her uh, future husband. We hear about Halloween and how Halloween used to be this time where you just go crazy and destroy everywhere. <laughs> we, we also hear a lot about her career as a teacher and how she uh, chose to go into education. Um, and that whole experience, she used to be called Nails Nolan because she was tough as nails. <laughs> and we also hear a lot about how her choices in her life ultimately affected the lives of me and my sister. The choices that she made throughout her life provided enough opportunity to my mother and my parents um, to where they were able to give a quality of life to my sister and I, where we were able to go and have for further opportunities. And we are forever grateful for those. And Aunt Janine, Aunt Janine's just super cool. You gotta go check this episode out. She's one of my favorite ladies ever. Uh, she's awesome. She's really funny. She's like, she doesn't take any shit, right? <laughs> she's the best. Guys, this episode of the Life Story Podcast is brought to you by Modern Estate Planning. Here's a hard truth. Every one of you will die someday. When that happens, sometimes people leave behind a ton of problems for their friends and family to solve. After your funeral costs, some people die poorer than the day they were born. And worse yet, if you don't have a will or you have a bad will, your family members can end up battling in court over the things you leave behind. They'll have to pay a ton of lawyer fees, and usually when the process is all over, they all end up hating each other and never speaking to each other ever again. Why make your family members go through that when instead right now you can take steps to define your legacy? If you're in the Atlanta area, the best option you have is modern estate planning. Modern Estate Planning offers professional modern estate plans for the modern family. We've helped hundreds of families in the Atlanta area protect their legacies and avoid court. If you live in the Atlanta area and don't have an estate plan or you have estate planning questions, give us a call at 404-620-3793. That's 404-620-3793. We would love to help you answer any estate planning questions that you have about wills, probate, trust, literally anything. Give us a call. Um, I, I'm the marketing director for Scriber Law Group and Modern Estate Planning. So, guys, seriously, uh, if you don't have a will, hit us up because we will help you. My boss, Stephen, he loves creating wills for people. It's like his whole life goal is to create wills. So give him a call. And, yeah, I mean, that's not his life goal. His life goal is to help people, but he helps people through creating wills. Okay, here's the episode. <laughs> so I just wanted to sit down and interview you about your life, Anchanine. Um, I think you've probably led a very, very interesting one. I've had many conversations with you over the years um, about your experiences, and you've given me a lot of good advice. And um, I don't know, so I just wanted to hear more about your life and and see if I could um, just and just really go through each part um, because you know I think people don't take the time to actually do that. And um, I don't know. I think I think that especially. I think that, you know, I think that people who are my age don't think about um, how people who are your age are just as complicated and smart as we are, but um, just lived in a different time period. Um, so that's why I wanted to talk to you. And I don't know. Um, again, the purpose of this show is to basically go through someone's life experiences and understand them better. 
Um, and it's a part of a podcast that I'm doing called um, Life Story with Noah Chrysler. Um, it will hopefully be on a podcasting app sometime in the future. And um, we're a little bit more low tech today in order to um, make sure that we could have talked to Antonine because we were having some technical difficulties. So this is what we're going to roll with right now. If you can't hear us or you can't hear Antonine, let me know. Um, but yeah. So cool. Antonine, um, let's start at the beginning. Okay. Sound good? Starting at the beginning? Okay. Um, so can you tell me about your parents? About my parents? Yeah. Well, uh, I really don't know where they met. Never, they never told me, never thought about it. Um, <laughs> like you say, I guess it isn't something you're interested in as a kid. Um, but my mother was uh, born into a, a wealthy family. Uh, my father was one of uh, number 13 of 14 children. Wow. And, um, did he have any money growing up or not? Pardon me? Did he have any money growing up? My father, no. His father was a carpenter. Um, and uh, I, I don't remember him because uh, when I was born, he was already dead. <laughs> so, oh, gotcha. Okay. And I don't remember my grandmother that well, although I guess she held me when I was a baby. But I don't remember. Um, but my parents... I don't know how they met, as I said, and they uh, married in 1925, uh, and um, they moved to, um, they came from Jamestown, and they moved to Erie, Pennsylvania, and my father had a job there, and um, four years later, uh, I was born in 29, right in the I know at the beginning of the Depression, actually, the crash, I guess, was 29. And so my whole experience as a child was living with parents who were going through some tough times. Uh, as I said, my mother was born into a family that, that uh, had a lot of wealth as far as property. They owned practically the whole town where I grew up. Really? Um, and, as, and my father, as I said, was just from a, a poor carpenter's family. That's super cool. So I didn't, I didn't know that. So, so, so you're. So you're... Uh, anyway, my father lost his job when the depression hit, and my mother wrote a letter to her father and said that um, she had a two and a half year old now, and she was pregnant, and my father had no work, and could she come and live in one of the houses? of the tenants on the land that they farmed. Mm -hmm. And um, he wrote back and said, yes, she could come. And if she took care of him, uh, he would deed the house and the five acres of land over to her. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I have questions for you. Okay. Um, so hold on a minute. So so your mom moved in with uh, tenants on, on whose property? Pardon me? No, my... I said my my grandfathers grew up and my mother in a family that had a lot of land. They owned gotcha. practically the whole town. Gotcha. Okay, and they farmed the land. Um, he did a lot of the farming. He, they had a horse barn and a cow barn and so on. Um, he had a brother that 
didn't want to be a farmer and he became a lawyer. Um, so. Cool. Okay. <laughs> and so you were saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to, I think we're having some tough time. I don't know. Well, anyway, I, we moved to this town and moved into this house. Okay. Mm -hmm. As I said, it was a, a tenant house and, um, we had no, uh, running water. Wow. We had a well with a pump. Uh, we did have electricity. We had no plumbing inside. Wow. So, like, you had an outhouse outside? Uh, no. My father put a chemical toilet in the basement. It was a basement. He put a chemical toilet down there, so we would run downstairs to the chemical toilet. And oh I don't God. know what he did, how he took care of it, but that's my worry. <laughs> okay. Cool. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, you're, you're in a house. But and I do remember my... I do remember that uh, my grandfather was uh, quite old when he, when they, he had my mother. Um, so I think he was in his 40s. I know he was in his 40s. Wow. And when she was born. Um, and so um, he became more ill and she brought him into our house. And he was in a, there was a room off the kitchen that he was in, and he called me in. I was six years old at the time, and he called me in, and he said he'd like a cold glass of water. So we had a, they called it icebox at the time, time. Mm -hmm. and um, I went, and my mother kept water in there, and I poured the glass of water, took it into it, and uh, my grandfather said, I don't want that water, and I said, well, Grandpa, it's nice and cold. It's out of the icebox, and he said, I didn't hear the pump. <laughs> So, what does that mean? I had to go back in the kitchen, and the pump was a pump with a handle, okay? <laughs> and you had to prime a pump. Okay. So you took a water, and you poured it in, and you primed the pump, and then I pumped the water. I took it into my grandfather, and then he was happy he got his water <laughs> that he knew was cold well water. But I've never forgotten that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. I have never ever seen a, a pump, an indoor... You know what a pump is. I mean, I've done, I've, seen, I've done it like while I was camping and stuff with like the thing, but like <laughs> I've never seen it with like a... That's, that blows my mind that you didn't have like electricity. You had plumbing, but no electricity. Wow. So, okay. So you're, you're in Jamesville or um, Jamestown. I'm, I'm in sorry. Asheville. Asheville is the name of my town I grew up in. Right. Uh, it's in the... The southwestern part of New York State. Yep. About three uh, miles from the Pennsylvania border. Yep. So you're in Asheville. You're you're uh, pooping in a chemical toilet in the basement. <laughs> there's no there's no electricity, um, and there's there's indoor plumbing. Um, cool. And you also had two two siblings, correct? I did. Awesome. And that was my I grandpa had, Norm. Uh, my sister was born three years after I was born, and um, I was top dog uh, because I was <laughs> the only child, and so I kind of didn't like her. <laughs> I was kind of mean to her. <laughs> In what ways were you mean to her? Yeah, I was. I, I, she had scars on her face from where I was scratch her. Oh my god! <laughs> Hold on, you would scratch it, Winnie? But I was. 
you you would scratch her face. The opposite. I loved school, learning. I like to play teacher, and I wanted to play teacher with her, and she didn't like school. She didn't like school. She didn't want to be taught anything. Um, so. Okay. I wouldn't say we had the best relationship uh, at that time. Then my brother came along um, three years later, so there were six years between us. And um, by that time, uh, I was no longer top dog in the family, and uh, I got along really well with my brother. <laughs> Good. What do you What do you mean top dog? When you're, I think the oldest child, because we had no competition and everything went to us, you know, uh, everybody put their attention on us. And then you get a sibling, and that sibling is taking a lot of, a lot of your attention. That, that baby cries or that baby wants something, and they get the attention, and you're not getting all the attention you got before. Yeah. So that's, that's what I mean by... That sounds like me and Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Do, do you think that sounds like it's me like and Jamie? Sister Jamie. I mean, I'm sure she felt when you came along. Exactly. You were a pain, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, cool. <coughs> cool. Okay. Great. So, so it's you and Aunt Winnie and or, uh, and and Grandpa Norm. And um, would you say? So you said you were closer with Grandpa Norm, right? I was closer to Norm. Yeah. Yeah. What I think what so. what what kind of things would I you do? Mm-hmm. His whole life, <laughs> even when he got to be seventy years old, I would introduce him. This is my baby brother. <laughs> what kind of what kind of stuff would he you didn't do? Mind. <laughs> what kind of stuff would you do with your baby brother without the Grandpa Norm? I can't understand you now. What kind of stuff would you do with Grandpa Norm? What kind of activities? Did, did I do with my brother? Yeah. I don't think we did too much because of the six-year age difference. Uh, well, we had a, my grandparents owned a cottage on Chautauqua Lake, and um, we used to go there and boat and swim and fish, so on, things like that. But when we were home in our town, he'd be off with the guys, you know, playing baseball and whatever he did, and I was off with the girls, so we didn't really run in the same crowd, that was for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds like Grandpa Norm. He uh, he saw, he used to love to boat and fish, and um, yeah, cool. Okay, great. So, cool. Let's say let's say now you're in school. Um, so you have a brother and sister. Um, and you, how older how old were you older than um, Grandpa Norm? How many years older were you than him? Older than who? Than Grandpa Norm. Norman Leroy. Norm. Storm and Norman. Are you talking to me? I am, yes. How, how many years older were you than Grandpa Norm? Than my brother? Yeah. I was six years older than my brother. Six years older, cool. Um, great. And so, cool. Um, when you got into elementary school, were you shy? Were you shy in elementary school? Um... I don't think so. I, not that I remember being shy. Okay. I, I was. My mother put me in school early because um, 
she was pregnant with my brother and she didn't want three children at home so she went to the school and she said she, she wanted to enroll me and they said well she's not old enough uh, and she said well would you take her and try her out and um, if she doesn't work out well then you know you can tell me and I'll take her out well I love school so I got there I was I did pretty well so but I was much younger than my classmates which I think uh, in the long run probably wasn't a good idea because uh, I wanted to do everything that they did and most of them were one or two years even older than I was mm-hmm. so both of my best friends uh, through school were two years older than I was and I wanted to run with them <laughs> <laughs> wow okay do you think um, so your, your friends were older than you do you think that you felt my best friends my two best friends were older than I Okay. Did that, did that like lead to any weird situations? Like were you, did you feel like you were, could you play on the same sports teams in that as them and stuff? Or did you not well, do any I'll tell of that? You, I was very, I was not coordinated as far as sports. <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> um, so I avoided sports and as much as I could. I, I couldn't, uh, I had no eye coordination like for baseball or anything like that. Um, in high school, I hated it so much because in volleyball, I was I was only about five foot, and they had these big tall girls standing over me, waving their arms, and and basketball, and I I hated it. I hated gym so much that I begged my mother to take me to the doctor and have him write an excuse so that I didn't have to take that <laughs> here. And God bless them, the doctor wrote a note. I took it in, and I didn't have to take <coughs> That's amazing. Okay, I cool. It's true. And I got to college. <laughs> and I stood for one whole semester just with a, um, a racket bouncing a ball against a wall. <laughs> Drop the ball, it would come up, I'd hit it, and it would hit the wall. And that was what I did didn't turn gym class, though I was not. I just hated sports. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like me. I wasn't very good at any sports. I, <laughs> they made me play all of them, and I was awful at all of them. <laughs> but cool. Okay. Um, so instead of sports, what were you doing? Were you reading books? What were some of your favorite books at the time? Oh, I read all of the Nancy Drew books and... Uh... Bobsy Twins. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but I haven't. But it sounds cool. That sounds cool. And how about how about music? Was there any great music artists that you listened to at that time? The music, not till I was in high school. Um, when I was young, my mother. We had a piano in our house, and my mother wanted me to take lessons, which I did, and I, I failed at that too. <laughs> <laughs> at least I got good, good, good grades in school, <laughs> but not in sports or not with piano. And, and my mother not, never let the three of us take any uh, musical instrument because uh, her father uh, played the fiddle, mm-hmm. and that's what he spent most of his time doing 
as he was older, he would just sit and fiddle and sing and fiddle and sing. And my mother got so sick of it, she didn't want us to have any instruments in the house. <laughs> so your dad, your dad would just play the fiddle and sing and your mom, oh man, that's really funny. Okay, cool. <laughs> he, used, he used to sing the craziest songs like, um, when Papa papered the parlor, you couldn't see pa for paste. Okay. <laughs> or, or where, where did my little dog go? Oh, I know that or one. Where, where could he be? I know that one. That's funny. You know that one? I do, yeah. I, um, my mom, my mom recently brought me by your, your house that you grew up in and I thought it was really cool in Asheville. She took us next through it and she took us down the street. Do you hear me? No. My mom, my mom, um, took us for a walk and we walked by the house that you grew up in and I thought it was really cool. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know what that was. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, you're okay. My my mother took us for a walk and we walked by took your house. Yes. We took a walk by your house. I saw your house. Oh. Growing up. Oh. It was cool. Okay. Oh, you liked the house where I grew up? Yeah, it was nice. It was cool. It was small. Yeah, it was a, it was a nice house. I heard I heard you raised turkeys. My dad did. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. What is that like? Well, when we got to the uh, house my grandfather gave us, um, my father loved him right away because he could have chickens, and so and he got pigs, and um, he started uh, beehives too because they pollinated and put up fruit trees, mm-hmm. um, and then. Um, when I was in high school and um, he, he started raising turkeys, he raised them uh, on wire so that the droppings would go through onto the ground. Um, and he would um, sell them to people. He worked in a factory and he would sell them to the guys at, at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, and that money is the money he used to put me through college. Wow. Cool. Cool. Well, at that time, we didn't have any tuition. Right. The state school. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> okay, so, so in high school, let's talk about you in high school. So um, what do you remember? What were you involved with? Were you in any clubs or any activities that you really liked? Well, when I was in high school, um, uh, the war broke out, World War II. Oh, okay. And um, the uh, they instituted a draft, and they were drafting all the guys in, anyone that could walk practically, they were drafting in. Um, so <clears throat> they didn't, a lot of the kids I went to high school with decided that they wanted to join up, uh, and many of them did uh, join the Army or the Navy. Um, we still had some guys left, of course, the, the students who wanted to go on to college mm-hmm. uh, stayed, 
generally in high school. But the other guys, the other guys that didn't like school that much, they they joined the service. So, and it was um, it, it was difficult because we didn't have any guys to date. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> So, so were you still, so during the time of World War II, were you, um, were you still going to school and everything or were you not allowed to go to school? How come you fade out like that? I don't, I don't know. Can you hear me? No, I can't. Okay. Um, when, during the time that you were in high school during World War II, did you go to school regularly or did you um, have to quit? and stay home for a period of time or work in a factory? Who? You. During World did War II. Did I work during high school? During World War II, did you have to go do work in a factory? Who, me? Yes. But when I was in high school, I think when I was a sophomore, I got a job uh, at Grants, which was like a five and dime store. Okay. Um, I got a job there filling Easter baskets and then they um, liked my work and uh, they put me in the office and I filed and I hated it. There's nothing more boring in the whole world than working in an office and filing and I decided right then I was not going to ever work in an office and file. You know? Yeah. It was not going to be my career. <laughs> so... It sounds like me. I, I did work there. Um, I'd take the bus after classes uh, into Jamestown and work, and then when I got out, I'd go. I went home. Cool. So, and I earned some money doing that. Um, we lived um, about 11 miles from Chautauqua Institution, and um, the summer of my junior year, I got a job. Uh, my best friend and I got jobs uh, waiting table there and we lived right on the property and then and we waited table breakfast lunch and dinner uh, but I loved it it was a wonderful job and we could take advantage of all the things that went on at Chautauqua mm -hmm. um, so I did that job cool that's awesome so can you can you explain what Chautauqua Institution is was started by the Methodists on Chautauqua Lake, and they built this where they held, held meetings, and they built a huge amphitheater there uh, where they had ministers coming in and um, preaching, and they built houses where you could go and live for the summer, um, and it was totally um, on the lake and fenced in. And the only way you could get into Chautauqua is um, going through a gate, and you had to pay if you wanted to go in and visit. Mm -hmm. But on Sundays, they let you in for free. Uh, you could go and hear the speakers, and they had speakers from all over uh, the United States, maybe all the world, I don't know. But anyway, and today it's thriving. Uh, I know that a lot of my friends uh, go on bus trips and they go and maybe stay a week there and you can attend all of these seminars and things. So yeah. if that's the kind of thing you're into, it's 
and it's a beautiful, beautiful lake. Yeah. As you know. <laughs> yeah, cool. Awesome. Okay, great. So you were working there as a young girl in, in high school. Um, what when, what was the country like during World War II? Uh, well, it was, everything was rationed. Not everything, but an awful lot of things are rationed. And we, we, we got stamps so that we could hold so much sugar and, uh, shoes were rationed. And, uh, then they wanted us to save up grease. Uh, so it was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was an easy time. Uh, I know that my parents smoked, and um, my mother, they had a machine, a little machine, and she rolled their cigarettes. It was even difficult to get cigarettes. Yeah. It was, um, meat was rationed. I mean, as I said, we got stamps, too, that we could do so that we could get so much. And we did a lot of canning, but we had a huge garden. Uh, everybody raised a garden, and, and everything was canned. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. So that sounds super interesting. Then I, I would write to uh, some of the people I knew, soldiers that were overseas, and oh yeah, I had a boyfriend that at the time <clears throat> that I met when I was a sophomore in high school, and he joined the navy and was sent overseas uh, to the Pacific, and they had. Uh, what's called a dry dock, where the ships would come in to the dry dock and uh, they would be gone over and so on. Um, and he was over there for a couple of years until the end of the war. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's crazy. That's super cool. Okay, um, what what are some of the things that he might have told you about being a soldier in the Navy that, that might have surprised you? He didn't talk you? much about it, actually. Didn't say much about it. Really? Um, hmm. Really, not a lot at all. I mean, he learned his trade, one might say, uh, because when he came back, he um, he joined the uh, fire department and became a fireman. So I cool. know he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, a lot of the guys, when they came back from the war, you know, there was a GI Bill. Yeah. Wait, so what is what is the GI Bill again? I feel dumb for not knowing. I should know, and I don't. Um, can you explain what that is? GI Bill? Yeah. Okay, all of the guys that served when they came back uh, were given money every month, and um, so they could start their lives over again, and many of them took advantage of this to go to college. And so they opened a lot of colleges um, at that time, uh, and they um, a lot of them got married. Uh, mm -hmm. But I know when I met my husband, um, he was on the GI Bill, and when we first got married, uh, that was what sustained us basically. <laughs> yeah. We got money from the government. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That um, that sounds that sounds like a really rewarding the veterans for their service. You know. Right, right. That's great that they did that because I know nowadays, um, you know, things aren't like that, and there's a lot of veterans that that come out of the service and they, 
um, don't have services like that to, to support them. And it leads to some really horrible things happening. So it's good to know that, I mean, after World War II, that happened. Um, cool. Okay. And that's part of why I think that our generation is called the greatest generation. Because these guys came back, the ones that were lucky enough to come back, because a lot of them didn't come back. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they came back and they wanted to start families. They wanted to um, get an education. And it was really a wonderful thing that the government did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Cool. And, and so great. And so when, when, when the war ended, how old were you? And what, where were you at in your life? I was 16 and I, it was, uh, I was uh, going in to be a senior in high school. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so when, when you were going to be a senior, um, were you thinking about college and stuff? Pardon me? Were you thinking about college when you were... Well, I had to. My father told me the day I was born I was going to college and there was no question about it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> So which college did you go to? If my father said you were going to college, you were going to college. <laughs> <laughs> did he have, um, you, you talk about sometimes uh, the Leroy, I don't know who I heard this from, but like the piss and vinegar Leroy disposition. <laughs> did he have that? <laughs> well, I will tell you, he was in charge. We never argued with him. <laughs> All he had to do was look at you, and he'd give you this look, and boy, you'd jump. I'll tell you. <laughs> and he made us work. I mean, we didn't sit down. You'd sit down and read a book, he'd be in there, put that book down, and get out there and, and tell us what we had to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. That makes sense. That sounds a lot like my dad. He sounds very similar. <laughs> No, it's not. Uh, we learned a work ethic uh, that, that we all have, all of us have it. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> you, you learn it whether you want to learn it or you don't want to learn it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It screamed into you. Don't just sit around doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the time, I'm telling you, uh, welfare, if you were on welfare, you were looked down on as... Low, low people, you know. Anybody mm. on welfare was considered the low, the lowest. Yeah. I, I don't think that's the same as it is today, but um, like they talking about socialism, and that's one of the worst governments there could possibly be. Yeah. So thank goodness. Uh, so I know, I know you're pretty, you, you are pretty right leaning, and and a lot of my friends on Facebook. Facebook where this is being broadcast are very left leaning. Um, and so I want to, I want to talk about that, you know, and I want to talk about it in a respectful way. Um, but, but that's okay. Right now I, I think we should focus on, um, just, just your progression through life. So, um, yeah. you, so cool. So you, you graduate high school, um, during high school, I don't know, do you, ha do you have any formative memories of like, um, the things that you think shaped you, like memories with friends, like did you ever get into trouble with your friends? Well, <laughs> not really. Uh, many of the memories were Halloween because at that time, um, 
at Halloween, that was to go out and race hell. And, uh, <laughs> there was no trick-or-treating, and uh, so we'd be out there uh, throwing rotten tomatoes in houses. And Hold on a minute, what? That's awesome, are you serious? Soaping, soaping windows. What is, how do you soap a window? Well, you go up to somebody, you take a bar of soap, and you go up to somebody's house, and you soap their window. That's what we did. I have never heard of them. Houses, of course, and they tip over all the outhouses. <laughs> um, and they would, the guys would get uh, farm wagons and put them up on top of buildings, and <laughs> and there was paper, toilet paper hanging from every single tree and every electric wire. I mean, it was really damaging, <laughs> and that's why they came up with the idea of trick or treat. What really? Wow, I didn't know that. Okay, what what year was trick-or-treating a thing? When do you remember trick-or-treating? What did I do for trick-or-treating? Or, or when, how old were you when, when kids started trick-or-treating? Trick-or-treating, I was in my teens. Oh, really? Okay. So I didn't really go trick-or-treating. Gotcha. I, cool. That was for the little kids. Yeah. But okay, cool. What would you do? Let's say you you you're hanging out. You're you're a, a teenager in high school with your best friends. What would you do with your teenage friends in high school? What activities? I'll go to the bars. Really? <laughs> really? Cool. Okay. What what are some of your favorite bars that you remember? <laughs> were they dive bars or were they nice? Hold on. Let me close this door really quick. <laughs> Wait. You know what? We had uh, a couple of bars for, well, in the town I grew up in, there was no high school, so I had to, I had to be bused to a high school, okay? Really? About three miles away in Lakewood. And uh, that's where I met another lifelong friend of mine. Um, and um, so we wanted to go to the bars and hang out there. Uh, Looking for guys, I guess. <laughs> cool. What else do you do? <laughs> I agree. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I did something pretty similar. I never found a guy. But, <laughs> uh, but and then we got into the alcohol. Um, yeah. Not a lot, but they didn't. They weren't, they weren't allowed to serve us. Of course, we were underage, but the bartenders didn't care as long as we. Paid for the drinks, I guess. Um. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> um, what was your What was your favorite drink as a teenager? <sighs> I, I guess I don't remember. Um, well, I can tell you a bad experience I had, though. Sure. Yeah. I'd like to hear that. Sure. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I was a senior at the time, and. Um, I went to a party, and they had this punch, and man, it was delicious punch, and I kept drinking and drinking it. I didn't know what it was made out of, but it was good, and I got to the point where I couldn't stand up. <laughs> Two guys, one on one side of me and the other on the other side of me, they'd walk me, and they'd walk me back and say, oh, we're going to take her home in this condition, 
And then they take and they put me up against the tree, hang <laughs> onto the tree so I wouldn't fall down. And uh, finally, they got me to the point they thought, well, I guess you can take her home now. And they did. Took me home. I walked into the house, and my father was waiting up for me. Whenever I went anywhere, he waited up for me. And he took one look at me and said, you have been drinking. And I just said, good night, Dad. And I went up the stairs and <coughs> fell down on my bed and passed out. And but he never said anything the next day or anything. Really? Wow. No. No. That's nice. Well, I guess he figured I was out celebrating. <laughs> I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, cool. I want to tell you what was in the drink. What 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 was it? Southern Comfort. Southern Comfort. I think you've told me this story before. I remember. And now you said you can't drink Southern that again. Southern Comfort. Right? I'll tell you. I haven't had Southern Comfort since. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's delicious, but it'll knock you for a while. <laughs> That's funny. In 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 college, we would. Um, have you ever had Everclear? Never heard of it. It's like a, it's like, it's like a really strong, like ethanol and, and you make big party drinks with it and we would make drinks with that. And, um, it, that will get you, that'll, that'll do the same thing. <laughs> we used to buy, um, we used to buy these bottles of, of, uh, pickling alcohol so basically you would preserve if you, if you used it properly you would preserve fruit in it and it was like 97 percent alcohol <laughs> <laughs> and so you would take that and you would you would make a drink and you only needed one bottle and you could make a whole like like container like a whole jug of Bet. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny that, that you say that because I, I don't think that's changed about um, about life very much. So cool. Um, what do you think before we before we get into you know your college career and, and after college and that sort of thing? What do you think were the biggest differences between your high school experience and my high school experience? Because I know they were very different. So what do you think those differences were? I don't, I don't, I don't know there was that much difference. I mean, I loved, uh, when I was in high school, I loved the choir, and singing in chorus, and, oh, cool. and we put on uh, plays and things like you did. Um, oh, cool. Okay, great. I don't, I don't see whether it was, there's too much difference. Okay. That's that's great. I didn't. I just. I genuinely didn't know because I. I mean, you know. it's more offered today than there was in my day, but. Um. Yeah. Cool. Well, cool. Okay, great. So, so you you graduate um you graduate high school and you get really drunk on Southern Comfort and your dad doesn't yell at you for it, which is awesome. <laughs> and then um cool. And then you go to college and in college, what was college like? Did you choose a major like you choose today, or um, was it a different process? Well, I am, um, as I said, my dad said, you know, you got to go to college. And so I have, I had an aunt who had graduated from uh, Plattsburgh and she loved it. She loved Plattsburgh and she was pushing me toward that. And um, what their course was, their, uh, 
was home economics and of course elementary education and nurse teacher. Um, so I enrolled in the um, home economics, which was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't belong in it. Uh, Why do you say that? Because I wasn't any good at uh, sewing. I was terrible. Um, on Saturdays, the teacher made me come in and rip out everything I'd sewed that week and do it over again. <laughs> hold on a minute. Okay, hold on. Let's revisit that. My, my best friend was so great at it. She made suits and coats. And, <laughs> I mean, she was fantastic. And I, I was a dud. <laughs> okay. So, and I wasn't the only one, though. There were about, there were, I think, three of us that were terrible in home economics and decided at the end of the first year that we didn't want to be in there anymore. And yeah. we went and talked to the dean and changed over to um, elementary education. But uh, because I changed over, I had to go to summer school uh, to make up some of the courses I missed. So I think I went a couple of summers to uh, summer school to take the courses, I guess. Yeah. But I did graduate with a teaching degree. Diploma. Cool. Um, did, was there, do you think there were as many options when you were going to college as there are nowadays? No, there were no options. So what were the options? I mean, it depended on the school you went to. For example, if you went to Cortland, um, it was, uh, to be a coach, gym teacher, uh, because my sister enrolled there. She was excellent in sports and wouldn't let us and everything, and she enrolled in Cortland. Um, and then um, it, it, it depended on Fredonia. They were known for music, which I think they still are today. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess Brockport also, I think, was, because um, I have a friend that was a gym teacher, and she graduated from Brockport. But your sister graduated, we got her master's there, and she was uh, elementary ed, so. Um, but each, each of the different, these are state schools I'm talking about. Yeah. And each of the state schools had their own specialty. Um, cool. So. Very cool. Okay, great. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, great. So, so in college, um, who were some of your best friends in college, and do you have any great formative well, memories from college? When I went, um, there was one building, and that was the college. <laughs> uh, but they, because of the veterans coming back from the war, uh, they put up uh, these trailers, and we had some of our classes in the trailers. Uh, we call them chicken coops, is what we call them. Uh, so yeah. we went in the main building or in one of these Chicken coops. Chicken coops. Uh, <laughs> the class. We had, those, we had those at RIT as well. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know what the question was now. I don't know either. It was, it was about your friends. Did you have any good friends, friends from college? My friends in college. Okay. We did not have, uh, they did not have dormitories. Uh, they had houses. And when I first went, my first year, my friend and I were in this house, um, 
and we they had very strict rules. Uh, you had to be in by ten o'clock. I mean that was, and we didn't like that. We yeah. wanted to stay out and party. Okay, um, so the first year, as I say, we we're in that, and then she found this house uh, where we could go, and it was the lady running it was. Um, very elderly, and she had a husband that she was taking care of as well as running this house for girls, just girls. And so we were very lucky that we got in there because we were free then. We could do anything we wanted and come and go as we pleased. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Which was because the other houses, they were really strict. Uh, and, um, and so... The gals in that house, I, le I was in a room there, there were uh, four of us, and we slept in double beds, two to a bed in there. And then my friend was in a, had a roommate, and I think there were what, one, maybe four or five rooms that with, with double beds in them. Um, wow. And we had, believe it or not, for how many would there be? There'd be four, six, eight, ten, twelve of us. Twelve girls. Wow, in one house. In my one God. House with one bathtub. Oh my God. <laughs> That's crazy. That sounds nuts. One bathtub, and we had a day of the week when we could have a, what was assigned to us, and then if we could, if it was time, we could, you know, sign up for another one. But we did not have showers. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Okay, I didn't know that. No, I was in the house had been added on to, and I was in the addition. And uh, there were four of us upstairs, and then two girls downstairs, and there was a kitchen there, and we cooked our own meals. Mm -hmm. And so we had to share one refrigerator, 12 girls shared one refrigerator. Wow. Um, oh my God. Yeah. When I look back on it, I think, how did we survive? But it just seemed very normal, you know? Like, yeah. When I, um, when, I, when I was living in California, I was living with about 12 other people for about, I don't know, like two months. And um, we did the same thing. And, and, and you, think, you think before you do that, that, that it's going to be a very difficult experience. Um, but once you, I don't know, once, you, once I think you adjust to it and you realize, okay, cool. Like I just have to be okay with not having things particularly my way all the time. You know, I think um, I think you get used to it pretty quickly. At least I did. I don't know. Yeah, we adjusted. I mean, we didn't know any differently. I mean, that was just the way it was. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just... and yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I look. I really. I've noticed that I really love living with a lot of people because there's always something going on, and and there's always people doing something fun, and and it's. Um, it's a fun time. Some of my best memories were, were living in that house with those guys and it was just like, something was happening every day because there was 12 of us, right? So 12 different people to have ideas about what to do today. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, I, I still, uh, those friends I made, particularly in that house, we became very, very close. And uh, I'm, I think, there's only a couple of us that are still alive today. Most of them are passed on. Really? Yeah, that must be absolutely. Well, it was lifelong friends that I had there, though. You know. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, okay, great. So, so you've made some friends in college. Um, I want to make sure, so we, we've talked for about 50 minutes or so. Um, I think, I don't know if I can see a time frame on this, but that's okay. I think we've spoken for about 50 minutes and I want to make sure we get through your whole life. So, um, okay. So is there any more ex important experiences from college that stand out or did you just graduate with your teaching degree? Well, um, we used to, um, sometimes, uh, the Plattsburgh was close to the Canadian border and we'd sometimes go, if a guy had a car, uh, we'd go up to Montreal, Canada, and party up there. Um, and, but another experience I had there that I really loved was, uh, we weren't too far from Lake Placid, mm -hmm. the home of the Olympics, I call it. And um, cool. they would bus us over on weekends, uh, and we worked in the uh, hotels waiting on table. And uh, we made good money that way, and we had a lot of fun. Because you, after you finished doing your job, you could go out and have a good time. So I really loved that. Uh, it's one of my most vivid memories, is going to Lake Placid. Um, cool. What, how would you have fun up there? Just different bars and different different things to do, or just go out on the lake yeah. in a boat? Different bars. About the same. <laughs> cool. Very cool. That sounds fun. So, so basically, the main thing you would do in your free time would just go, be go to bars and and, <laughs> and look for boys. <laughs> I love it. I thought you were going to tell me something really wholesome. You know, you you played a lot of stickball out in the yard. <laughs> You're like, that sounds I normal. Don't people forget what they were like when they were young, you know? Yeah. I yeah. haven't forgotten what like. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I love that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I feel like I feel like the majority of like the older folks I've talked to like don't aren't super forthcoming about that, you know, but you know, it's it's great to hear you say, like, yeah, that was most of what I did for fun. Like even in high school, like <laughs> That's hilarious. I think your sister, your sister was just as bad as I was. Yeah, oh yeah. My sister likes going to bars too. She's funny. She's funny. Men in, in bars. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Cool. Okay, great. So, so cool. So you, you go through college, you start in home economics, they make you sew stuff, you absolutely hate it, and you have to rip out all your stitches and redo it on Saturdays, and uh, your friend was really good at it, and you were jealous of her, then you lived in a house with 12 other girls, and then um, you graduated, you switched into the uh, teaching degree, and then you graduated from college. Is that yeah. correct? Cool. Well, I met my husband in college. Oh, cool. Okay, so yeah, talk about that. Talk about Uncle Denny. I am... Um... <clears throat> came back from, well, he was from an army family. He was raised as an army brat, and uh, they traveled all over the United States, and he never was, they never really settled down any time until um, he came back from, and he, he um, was a, a gunner, gunnery instructor out in the desert, out in um, Arizona, 
and for four years he was out there instructing uh, these young kids how to shoot out of the back of airplanes at the enemy. Uh, wow. But then he, he came back and he uh, enrolled in uh, Buffalo in pre-med. Thought he wanted to be a doctor, but uh, the first time that they had a body there that they had to cut open, uh, he walked out and decided he wasn't going to be I'm going to be a doctor. It wasn't going to be for him. <laughs> oh my God! Could you imagine? Oh my God! His, his parents lived in Plattsburgh, so we went back to his parents' home and enrolled in in a state college or where I was, and um, we both liked uh, to sing. And he had a wonderful voice. He was very well known for his voice. He sang all of the leading roles in all of the plays. Uh, he sang in the churches. I mean, he had a beautiful voice. Um, so I met him in choir, of course, and started dating. And uh, I was, he lived across the street from a very good friend of this aunt who had encouraged me to go to Plattsburgh uh, so that I was accepted immediately into the family there because we were like, you know, we knew each other's backgrounds. Um, okay, I gotcha. But he was a Catholic, which I was not. Okay. I was Methodist. I was raised a Methodist. So, so I think one difference between the time in which you grew up and the time in which I've grown up is that um, religion plays a very different role in people's lives today than it does when you were growing up. So yes. people... Can you talk a little bit to that? So, so people who are Methodist and people who are Catholic probably didn't get along conventionally as well as people who had the same religion and the same upbringing? Well, you, this is very difficult to believe today, but in the town where I grew up, uh, it was run by the Methodist Church, mm -hmm. and if you taught in the school, you also had to teach in the Sunday school, or the Methodist Sunday school. And you, they only hired Methodists to teach in the school, which was, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous to say it's a public school, you know? Yeah. Uh, but they did. Um, and we, we had no Jews. I never met a Jew until I went to college, Jewish person until I went to college. Uh, we had one Catholic family that lived out in the country a little bit, and I went to school with their their son uh, was in my class, um, so I never met, didn't know anything about Catholics. Uh, and my parents um, told me that they, uh, the Catholics worship statues. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is... Yeah, that was what I was raised to believe, that Catholics worship statues. <laughs> okay. Catholics were really looked down on by the Methodists, and of course, probably the Methodists were looked up. <laughs> the Methodists were supposed to be very strict. Uh, you're not supposed to dance, which my mother loved to dance, so I, we were allowed to dance. Uh, <laughs> we weren't allowed to play cards, but my mother loved playing cards, and my grandparents loved playing cards, and so we were raised to play cards. <laughs> oh, I love it. So we weren't really very good Methodists. Um, yeah. It sounds well, like it. Father, oh, he was strict. Every Sunday, 
get out of that bed and get dressed and get down to that Sunday school. And so we were raised there, and my sister became a very, very uh, strong Methodist at that time. Uh, she since left that and become a Jehovah's Witness, but it's beside the point. Um, <laughs> and you had to sign, uh, talk about your Methodist. Your grandmother is a great example of what the Methodist taught. I don't think she, they had to sign a paper saying they would never drink alcohol. Wow. And your grandmother, I think, is stuck to that to this day. She would not drink alcohol. She signed a paper and she isn't going to drink alcohol. Um, my mother liked alcohol, though, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you ripped up your paper. You were like, nah, I don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> then you poured yourself in a glass. Plain. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I could do all the things I wasn't supposed to do. <laughs> cool. They sound like the fun. Yeah, they sound. You sound like the fun house, the fun family. Where yeah, we had we had we had families like that where we were where like the their the mom and dad would be cool with the kids drinking and stuff. Anyway, um, okay. So so okay. Well, anyway, there was a very strong prejudice against um, marrying out of your face and um, when my husband and I when he finally decided he wanted to marry me <laughs> um, and his parents didn't object that he was going to marry Methodist uh, his sister uh, was teaching too and was dating this guy who was Lutheran and they've been dating for quite a few years and so she went to her parents and said well if Denny could marry a Methodist, I'm going to marry a Lutheran. <laughs> and she did. A year okay. later, she, I mean, uh, a month later, a month after I was married to Dennis, his sister married a Lutheran. Gotcha. And they had five children, and uh, she raised them Catholic, but the husband stayed Lutheran. You but know, they had a very, very great marriage. Yeah. I, you know, it's so, it's so, I think that that is probably one of the most, the, the biggest differences in my opinion, and maybe this is just because I don't know very much about, you know, the time that you grew up, but I feel like that's one of the biggest differences between, you know, marriage then versus marriage now is that like, I, I genuinely, that is not even something I think about, like when I'm looking to date someone, like, I mean, you know, it's something that I notice. I notice that her religion or whatever, but I don't, I don't, um, I don't think about, uh, making sure that we match up to the same one because other people might look at it poorly. Right. I think that's a, that's not an idea that I, um, am super familiar well, I mean, with. Today, look, I mean, you can marry a, a... Men marry men and, and girls marry girls. And, right. I mean, that was unheard of in, in my day. Right, right. I mean, homosexual people were just ostracized. You didn't dare even admit it. Right. And, and many of the guys that went in the service, you know, they, they had to be very careful because uh, they were, you were just ostracized from society. The people had nothing to do with homosexual people and they thought they were... I think that there's still people of my generation that carry those, uh, that attitude today. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, which which can be. But I have good friends that are homosexual. In fact, my neighbor, uh, Steve, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> Steve's awesome. With him and, and <clears throat> it doesn't bother me, but I, I know it does a lot of people in my generation. Yeah. Yeah. This episode of the Life Story Podcast is sponsored by Modern Estate Planning. Here's a hard truth. Every one of you will die someday. When that happens, sometimes people leave behind tons of problems for their friends and family to solve. After funeral costs, some people die poorer than the day they were born. And worse yet, if you don't have a will or you have a bad will, your family members can end up battling in court over the things you leave behind. They'll have to pay a ton of lawyer fees, and usually when the process is all over, they end up hating each other and never speaking to each other ever again. Why make your family members go through that when instead you can take steps right now to plan the legacy you leave behind? If you're in the Atlanta area, the best option you have is to call Modern Estate Planning. Modern Estate Planning offers professional modern estate plans for the modern family. We've helped hundreds of families in the Atlanta area protect their legacies and avoid court. If you live in the Atlanta area and you don't have an estate plan or you have estate planning questions, give us a call at 404-620-3793. That's 404-620-3793. Guys, go ahead. Give us a call. We will help you plan your estate. We'll make you a will or a trust or, you know, answer any questions you have about like, hey, I I don't know what's going to happen to my cat or dog. People don't think about that when they think about their will. Um, but it's an important thing to think about. We will help you in any capacity, any question that you have. Steven, my boss, is our head attorney. He is the guy that you want to help you with this. He will answer any question that you have if you live close to Atlanta especially because then we can actually work with you and sit down with you and say, cool, what's the plan? Let's make a plan. You know, I, We know this is scary, but let's let's answer this together. This is something doesn't have to be scary. Okay, thanks so much for watching, guys. I hope you're enjoying the episode with my Aunt Janine. She is the best person ever. Um, and I don't know. She's just so cool. She's played such an important role in my life. Guys, there are going to be some changes coming to this show. Um, you'll notice that this intro is a little bit more different because I'm like standing. <laughs> That's a big difference, huh? So we just got a, a new studio. Um, and so eventually here, the idea is to shoot, bring guests into the studio so that I can hear their life stories from a consistent audio setup, a consistent video setup that looks really, really nice and professional and beautiful, and one where we can like really start cranking out content. And um, I've also kind of planned the show a little bit differently, right? So this is the last of this pre-baked um, four episodes that I did um, that are going out uh, for the first four weeks, but going forward, I'm going to be tweaking elements of the show to make it better, hopefully. Um, but if you're watching this, that means you're either watching on YouTube or listening to the entire podcast. So thank you so much because I genuinely, genuinely appreciate it. And, uh, definitely post a comment, leave a like or a review. I mean, I know that this episode is a little wonky cause you know, my aunt is not, she's using an iPad. The audio situation's rough. So I get it. But thank you so much for uh, giving this a chance, and it's going to get a lot better, I hope. Thank you so much for watching. Goodbye. Yeah. Well, cool. Okay, great. So so just to reframe our conversation here, you graduate college. Um, you, you meet Uncle Denny during college. Un- Uncle Denny was a gunner for the Army. He was he trained. No, he wasn't gunner. He, he trained them. Gunnery. 
He, t he taught gunnery, which is the act of shooting things out of the back of a plane, which, it, which knowing Uncle Denny, it blows my mind that Uncle Denny taught that because I feel like he wasn't very much a person who would shoot a gun out of the back of a plane. Is, would you agree with that? <laughs> That sounds fun. Yeah. He would shoot rats with an air rifle in the Syracuse well, dump. Well, I don't know what he had. Some kind of a gun he had. Go to the dump and shoot rats, you know. Cool. That's so sport. That sounds fun. I wonder if that's a thing that you could do now. I don't know. That sounds like a fun time. Um, <laughs> cool. If you're ever free, and next time we're not, next time I'm in Syracuse and there's no quarantine, we should go to the dump and shoot rats. That sounds like fun. <laughs> well, I think they got the dump that he went to all covered now. They covered oh. it all with grass and everything. And well, put, well, and these pipes and everything to air the, so I, the gas out. I don't know. I, they probably have a dump someplace else. We'll find, yeah, we'll find a new dump and we'll go shoot some rats, okay? <laughs> um... But okay, cool, sweet. Okay, so Uncle Denny's shooting shooting rats in the dump, um, and he, so so you marry him. Or I'm sorry, you you meet him in college. How long after college did you wait to get married? Well, um, he graduated. He he was seven years older than I was. I don't think I told you that yet. Wow. Okay. Uh, so how yeah. did you guys meet? Was he in school with you? Probably not. Yeah, we met in choir, of course. Oh, okay. And, um, as I say, he'd been four years over teaching us gunnery, and then he came back, and um, so then he entered college then, uh, and he had some previously, so, but he graduated a year ahead of me, um, and he took a position teaching on Long Island. Um, cool. No. Getting at that, yeah, that's that's right. He taught on Long Island, and um, he went when he went down there. He was living in a family uh, down there, and decided that um, he didn't want to stay down there. He wanted to come back north. And for the next year, he took a position in Glens Falls, New York. Uh, I met him. We dated two years. Um, as I said, he didn't have much money except the GI Bill. Uh, so Plattsburgh is a town where you can walk everywhere. And we did all of our walking. They did have a bus service that took us out to the beach. And he just loved swimming and diving and uh, lying on the beach. So um, in the summer, when I was going to summer school, we spent a lot of time at the beach. Um, we would go to the movies. Um, he didn't have money to take me out to eat much, but there was a restaurant that served good spaghetti and he'd take me there sometimes. <laughs> we'd go to the movies um, and things that were happening at the college we participated in. Uh, so it, 
you didn't need he didn't need a lot of money really it was he was fairly easy to entertain i guess yeah did he ever did he ever do anything to surprise you or anything like really did he, did he ever do anything really romantic for you and any time when you were first dating anything romantic at all i don't know the question um, did he ever do anything romantic for you? Super romantic? Like, did he make you dinner at some point or, or take you somewhere really beautiful? Um, any cool romantic experience that sticks out that you remember? Well, I, I cooked dinner for him once. <laughs> <laughs> once? <laughs> uh, well, we used to go to the bars and, um, no, I can't think of anything that stands out in my mind that was particularly... Okay. He just wrote to me when he was in Long Island, though. He wrote to me every single day, practically. Wow. Couldn't wait to get married. Yeah, cool. Cool. How old were you when you guys got married? I was 21. He was 28. Okay. You were 21. He was 28. Okay, wow. Um, okay, so great. Okay, so you guys got married, and then tell me about that experience. Where was your wedding? Well, as I say, I, I was uh, marrying a Catholic, and uh, at that time, you um, it was not easy to marry out of your faith, but um, there was a church in Lakewood, that, a Catholic church, and um, we got married in the Catholic church there. And then, um, after the wedding, there was a reception, and that was in the basement of the Methodist Church. So um, that was how we brought the two together, I guess. <laughs> in the Catholic Church, and then we went to the Methodist Church to have the reception. And from the Methodist Church, uh, we got on. Um, my best friend uh, was married by then, and so she and her husband drove us to. Um, Westfield, where their train went through the New York Central. Was it New York Central? Well, I don't know. But anyway, the train went through there, and the train took us to Syracuse, and we got off there and took a bus because my Denny had um, rented a cottage on uh, a river up there around Watertown, and um, got on a bus, and we went up there and got off the bus. Uh, we were supposed to have a car, but um, they weren't too easy to get in those days, uh, and we had to order one that hadn't come in yet, so we had to take a train and a bus, but we did, and we had a small little cottage there on the, and I, I don't remember what we did all the time we were there, I can't, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so was that? I couldn't even tell you. That's Okay. <laughs> No, I mean, hey, it's, it's funny. It's funny how that happens, you know? It's like you don't, you don't think about it for years and years and years, and then, and then it probably just, like, goes away because you're not using that part of your memory. So I totally, I totally understand how that is like that. Um, but okay. I was waiting for this car that we had ordered, and he had, as I say, he didn't have any money other than a GI Bill, but um, his, somebody had given him stock, some relative given him stock, and... Um, he sold the stock to buy the car, so we would have transportation. Because we were, we had jobs um, when we graduated. He went from Williston Park to Glens Falls, New York, and 
and I got a job um, outside of Glens Falls in a town called Lake Lucerne, um, teaching fifth grade. Cool. So, so yeah, how was, how was that? How was teaching fifth grade? Did you enjoy that? Were you good at that? Because hold on, just to retrack here, just to recap what you've told me so far. You've told me you were extremely bad at every sport you ever played. You told me you were extremely bad at sewing and at home economics. Um, and, and the only thing that you would do for fun is to go drink in bars with your friends. <laughs> but, but, but you were good at reading books and you enjoyed school. So did you enjoy teaching and were you good at teaching? Your first teaching job was in a room over a grocery store? Yes, in the village of Lake Lucerne. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and you were teaching fifth grade? But then the school was finished and we moved from the grocery store <laughs> into the school. Cool. And, and then I got pregnant and the last few months of my uh, teaching there, I was running to the bathroom and vomiting. And so oh, boy. It was not exactly the best time. Yeah. So, so you, you told me once that um, when you were a teacher back in those days, you spent a lot of times with the, with the families of people that you taught. And that's how you met, um, that's how you met Heidi and, and, and um, the, everybody that you know in Germany. Is that correct? Well, you're skipping ahead to when I was oh. at J.D. Middle School. Oh, okay. I have no idea. <laughs> we're, still, we're still back in when I started my career teaching. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know that that was years later. But okay. Um, sweet. Okay. So so tell me about that. What was that experience like? What Your first teaching job. Terrible? Uh, or great? The children in that town were, I think, the highest IQ in my class was 98. Wow. They came in from, like, out of the mountains. <laughs> off the dude ranches. <laughs> okay. Much different than okay. when I went to Janesville DeWitt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Janesville DeWitt, I, I feel like, would be a different ball game than, uh, cool. Okay. So, I can... Anyway, I just taught that one year there, um, and then I, um, that summer, I was I was going to have Ruth in September, and so that summer, I went and stayed and lived with my parents in Asheville, and then I uh, enrolled at SU to get his master's degree. And what so was he his? Spent the summer, and he loved Syracuse. Uh, he loved Green Lakes, where he could go diving and swimming. Uh, he loved the whole area 
of Syracuse. Um, mm-hmm. So after I had my daughter, um, we went back to Syracuse and we lived in student housing. And we were still on the GI Bill. And uh, he came home one day and he said, uh, I'm quitting uh, the university. I know more than the teachers there. <laughs> that sounds like Uncle Denny. I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my time because I know more than the teachers. That sounds like something Uncle Denny would say. <laughs> and I said, okay, fine. If you know more than the teachers, fine. All right, good. Quit. So did he, did he get his he master's said, degree? I want to work in industry. I decided maybe I should get a job in industry. So he went out and he got a job. Um, and it was pretty primitive, I think, because the job was handing out tools at this factory. Um, the guys would come that were working in the shop and they'd come in to get tools and he'd sign them out to him, I guess, and then they bring them back to him. So, I mean, it was a primitive job. Yeah. But then he heard about Carrier Corporation. They were hiring. At that time, they had 6,000 people at Carrier Corporation. Wow. And what do they have now, do you think? Oh, they're down to 1,000 here in Syracuse. Wow. Only engineers are left. Yeah. They ripped down the whole building. Wow. Where your grandfather worked. Wow. I didn't know that. That's terrible. So, anyway, we um, moved out of the student housing. We got a, it was hard to get apartments because there wasn't much, after the war, there wasn't much, uh, many places for people to live. We did get an apartment, which was not in the best area, but, um, and he was working nights. And I was left there with my baby. which I didn't like very much. <laughs> and we've, we're very lucky. Uh, we eventually got a, a very nice apartment that we're just opening up uh, near Lemoyne College called Springfield Gardens. And we moved in there. Um, I've, Ruth was just a baby when we moved in there. So. Yeah. And that was in the James Wilderwood <laughs> School District. Cool. Okay. Sweet. Okay, so you're living in JD. Um, Uncle Uncle Denny has Uncle Denny gotten his master's degree or not? Did he finish his master's degree? He didn't finish his master's he degree because he decided he knew too much and he wasn't going to waste his time. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Do you, did you? What do you feel about that? Do you agree that he knew too much and then it was a good move for him to not no, finish? Yeah, I agreed with him. You agreed with him? Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, he was very brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a smart guy. No, I know. I know. He was. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I was I was just giving him a hard time because it's fun. I don't know. <laughs> cool. You know, his IQ was much higher than mine, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Okay, great. So, so you guys are living in JD. Um, cool. He is working for, he's working for Carrier, you said? Doing, handing out tools. He got a job working for Carrier. Um, handing out tools. Drafting, okay. And drafting, drafting is the process of, of drawing up blueprints for uh, certain devices and certain vehicles and that sort of thing. What is what is drafting exactly? Yeah, it was they draw the pictures you call them uh, for the air conditioners. Gotcha. 
That's what Carrier does. <laughs> I'm dumb. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Um, okay, so cool. So Uncle Denny's drawing air conditioners, and you are and at JD. Did, were you teaching at JD, or is that when you well, started? We, got, the we, got, um, we moved into the apartments in the JD district, and I applied to do substitute teaching. Um, I didn't. I didn't want to work full time because I, my daughter was young, and um, so I started. Um, substituting and a babysitter for her on the days I had to substitute and then um, when August in the August uh, the principal at the school called me and he said that he didn't have a teacher for the sixth grade that the teacher he'd hired for the sixth grade uh, had resigned and um, he needed desperately a substitute for sixth grade would I come in and I said well I'll come in and I'll substitute do you get a new teacher and um, so I went in and uh, I never left. <laughs> <laughs> I loved my class. Yeah? What did you oh, love about them? It was them? so wonderful because compared to the ones in, in Lake Luzerne who knew nothing, and these, <clears throat> these kids were so smart and eager to learn, and they had parents that wanted them to learn, and there was, you know. Night and day. You know, no fooling around. I mean, yeah. this was serious stuff. Yeah. And I had um, 25% of my students were Jewish. Okay. And, um, I, I, they were wonderful to teach, and I never ever had a problem with a Jewish uh, student because all I had to say, oh, I'm going to call your dad, or, oh my goodness. I'm going to call my dad. <laughs> okay. Very interesting. Um, okay. I, I got. Oh yeah, what was your reputation? The mean teacher? This just happened uh, within the last few years since I retired. I got a, a call from a friend. She said that they were having a reunion of the, <clears throat> I don't remember what year it was, and so uh, we've been invited to this reunion of the kids. So I went to this reunion and they said to me that this one kid, this one of my former students was looking for me. He wanted to talk to me. and. Um, I didn't remember him. I mean, you know, I I had what thousands of kids by now. Right, right. <clears throat> and so he eventually found me, and he said, "Mrs. Nolan, I I want to thank you." He said, "I was not a good student, and when they assigned uh, me to your class, I told my mother, I am not going to Mrs. Nolan. You can't make me go.'" And my mother said, you are going to have Mrs. Nolan as your teacher. And he said, no, I'm not, mother. I'm not going to allow run away from home. And she said, you're going to have Mrs. Nolan as your teacher. <laughs> mother went out, and Mrs. Nolan became his teacher. And he said, I just want to say that from the day I walked into your class, my whole attitude of, towards school changed. And I want to thank you because from that day on, I became... A good student. Oh, that's awesome. And I thought, you know, this is worth all of my years of teaching. <laughs> they have one student tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want you as a teacher, but thank you. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. He threatened he threatened to run away from yes, home. I, I like the kids a lot, but I also was strict and I, I made them do homework and yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that that is, you know, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think the best teachers are, are exactly what you're describing, you know, like, like they make you do a lot of work. Um, and then, you know, they also, um, but you know, they, they also make the environment fun and they make it, um, interesting. So that's, that's so cool though, to hear, to hear, uh, to hear a kid say that to you, I bet. I don't know. That sounds awesome. Cool. Um, well, great. Okay. So, so you said you have a reputation. Were, were you, did you have a reputation as the mean teacher? They call me Nails. Nolan Nails. Okay. No, Nails. No, uh, that's what they call me. Yeah. Tough as nails. Didn't bother. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that means you're good. Me, I was glad. I like to be known as tough. Yeah, hell yeah, that's awesome. Nails. The oh. They walked into my classroom. They knew they weren't going to get away with anything. Yeah. Could you? And did I, you? I had a great relationship with them. I mean, they all liked me, and I liked them. I, I, I just loved the kids. Cool. <laughs> did you ever have? I just maybe I just saw this in a movie. But do you have a ruler that you used to smack kids' fingers with, or not? Am I crazy? Is that? <laughs> do you know what I'm well, talking about? No, we're we through college. We got married. And, and we're at we're at 730. So we're, we're supposed to be three quarters of the way through your life. Is that kind of about where we're at or not? I guess so. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty close. Very good. Cool. <laughs> All right. Um, well, cool. So cool. So you've t you teach at JD for for many years. Um, you have you are known as tough as nails. Um, nails Nolan. Uh, and um, cool. Great. What happens next? I don't know. Uh, well, I they opened the middle school. Um, the the classes that uh, were self-contained before, where I taught all the subjects. You know, math and uh, social studies and English. I taught them all. But when we moved to the middle school, we were um, departmentalized and. Um, when we moved there, uh, I was called by the principal and he said, uh, uh, Mrs. Nolan, um, you're, you were assigned to teach English. Yes, I said, I want to teach English. And he said, but we need a math teacher. We can't, <laughs> we can't find a math teacher. I, I don't want to teach math. Well, would you just try it for this year or at least try it until we can find a, a math teacher? He said, we can find an English teacher. We can't find a math teacher. Okay. So uh, when I went there, um, the first two years, I taught math. And then they, finally I got into my English position, which I wanted, because I liked that much better. I didn't like teaching math that much, but I did it. So, I mean, they always asked me, you know, I got called and said, we can't find a sixth grade teacher. Can you come in? And I stayed. <laughs> But I didn't stay with the math department. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I stayed yeah. Two, two years. Two years with the math department, and then you switched back to English. Um, what did you What did you enjoy about teaching English particularly? Because I I think um, I think I think your skills as an English teacher are what made me are are what helped my mother develop her skills um, with writing and and her um, you know affinity and process for writing. 
Um, and I think that translated to both me and my sister. Um, so can you talk about that a little bit? Like, like what did you like about teaching English? Teaching English? Yeah. Well, um, believe it or not, I love teaching uh, parts of speech. Um, and I was told by the um, foreign language teachers at the high school that they always know which one of their students had had me as a teacher because when they talked about the subject of a sentence or uh, verbs or whatever, uh, they knew. knew. Yeah, they your knew. students knew, and everybody else didn't. Yeah. And I. Because uh, their teacher was tough as nails. Learn to diagram a sentence, believe it or not. I don't know if you ever learned to diagram a sentence. To diagram a sentence, I learned to diagram a sentence, and you'll be happy to know that I learned how to do that in German class, um, where, <laughs> <laughs> where der die and das becomes um, der or no it becomes den. I see. I forgot it already because I haven't done it for years, but you know. Don't ask me to explain it now. <laughs> <laughs> <a long> time. <laughs> but basically, in German, when you when you refer to the subject of the sentence, you use an article, um, a certain article, and if it's the if it's the, I'm sorry, exactly. the subject, exactly. and if it's the predicate of the sentence, then you you use right. a different article, and so that's when I learned that. And that was tough for it's tough for English speaking people to to learn that. Um, I. Uh, as I said, I taught the uh, math, but then I, I went into, this was in 1970 now, we're talking about, um, and I had this English class, and uh, a boy showed up in my class who was from Germany, and uh, I had to have, help him learn English because he knew no English. I mean, he knew bus, maybe, or <laughs> he, didn't, he, knew, he knew nothing. Yeah. And um, so I, I enjoyed uh, working with him, and I um, was called by his mother, and she said, uh, you've helped my son so much in learning English, uh, and I have six children and um, two of them in grade school and two in, two in grade school, two in middle school, two in high school. And when I come to their house and work with them on their English, and uh, I said, yeah, I, I would do that. So I would go on Fridays after school, I would go to their house and I didn't really uh, teach them formal English. I decided the way to learn was just uh, using the language. And we did that by playing games. And uh, bought all these board games. And we'd sit there and play board games and we'd learn English through that. Cool. Uh, yeah. That sounds really cool. And so, and so what I, what I think is so cool about that is that you became like lifelong friends with this family from that, from that experience. And, um, so, so I, I want to talk about that a little bit and how that, that has kind of affected me as an individual. Um, so like I, um, 
nowadays I make, I make a lot of little movies, right? And a lot of the movies that I make are about um, choices, right? And about how um, I, I'm doing a particular campaign right now about how um, one little choice, one small little tiny choice can affect the people around you so much that it can change and alter the courses of their lives, right? And so I think it's really interesting that, um, you know, your, your connection with this one student snowballed into a connection with this whole family, which snowballed into connection with lifelong friends, which then influenced my mother, my sister, and myself to all take and learn German. And then we also, you know, have visited this family multiple times over the years. Um, and, and we've gone to Germany, I've stayed with them and, and they are awesome. And, and we now have, you know, these connections in Germany that are almost like familiar connections, right? You know, Simon and Nadine are some of the coolest people that I know. Um, and I wouldn't know them without your, without your connection to them. Um, so I, I just think that that's super interesting. And I think that that connection to, um, you know, Germany, I, I think that that has affected my life and my sister's life and my parents' life in ways that I don't think you fully have connected the dots or, or do you, what do you think about that idea? <laughs> well, what, what do I think about what idea? I don't, I'm, the, the, that, the, that the, I had an influence on, on all these lives, right? Yeah. Is that what you um, well, you were just there a few years ago. When you and Oscar went. I know. <laughs> it was great. It was so fun. Yeah. I mean, they took you in. They were the best. Did you remember the family? Did you feel like you remember it the was, family? Uh, Heidi and Wilhelm are the nicest people I've ever met. Wilhelm is like my second dad. He's the nicest person. It was so fun. We had so much fun. I drank so much. I got sick. It was the best. <laughs> they have a they have a tanning bed in their house that that comes down from the ceiling. Have you seen their tanning bed? It's really cool. <laughs> Do you have you seen the tanning bed in Heidi's house? Yeah. It's very cool. <laughs> Oscar and I played with it for a while. <laughs> I've been in that house many many times, and I've slept in this couple of those bedrooms. <laughs> They're very cool people. This, that I had just by going to their houses, their house on Friday and playing games and learning the language. And the mother and I, uh, at that time I was involved in the Methodist Church in um, Fayetteville and the mother, their mother was too. And uh, we were teaching Sunday school, both of us there. And she and I became lifelong friends. I mean, I, I don't have a closer friend than I had with them. And um, we traveled sometimes in the summer. Uh, I went to Florida with them and we camped out down there. And uh, it was, yeah, I, I would say she was the closest friend I ever had. Cool. In my life. That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. Um, and, and I have Heidi and Wilhelm, they were here in the fall and they're going to be coming back again, and and I've gone over there, and um, most of the family has come and visited me here. Yeah. Because they went back to Germany. Yeah. They were here from 1970 to 79, 78, 79. Yeah. Cool. Cool. 
Um, okay, great. So, so we've got about 15 more minutes before 7.50. And at 7.50, I want to ask you um, a bunch of questions that, that basically frame up, you know, other, other ideas about your life. Um, so, so I know, I know there's no possible way that you could fit everything in between 1970 and 2020, cause that's like 50 years. But, um, if you had to give me the highlights of those 50 years, um, you know, in 15 minutes, what would they be? <laughs> uh, well, um, I retired, um, in, uh, 90. And, um, I could talk about my retirement, I guess. Uh, I've enjoyed that. Um, I, one of my favorite things that I love to do is play bridge. Uh, I played when we were in college. Uh, Dunny and I played bridge. Um, and I played it, my mother actually taught me how to play bridge when I was a teenager. So, um, I spend a lot of my days now playing bridge and I really miss it now with this virus we got. Um, but uh, I became uh, involved with the um, developmentally disabled mm -hmm. because that's one thing I haven't talked about and that is my developmentally disabled daughter. Yeah. Um, she um, <clears throat> lives in a state-run group home uh, with uh, two other girls, and I see her on the weekends. Uh, right now, during this uh, virus thing, though, I, I have her every day because I was told if I didn't take her every day, uh, I wouldn't be able to see her. I couldn't come and visit her or take her anyplace, so I've had her here. Um, I don't know. Anyway, uh, because of my daughter, I became very involved with the disabled community. And um, there's a um, organization we call the Board of Visitors. And um, I joined the Board of Visitors. And what we do is uh, we visit these houses and we write reports that are turned into the state uh, on the houses. And I became very involved with that. Well, I had, um, or I have, uh, 60 houses in Onondaga County to visit and write reports on. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. So, 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 so basically you're on a committee that, that writes reports about these group homes and the group homes um, cater to uh, people who are mentally handicapped um, and um, you basically write reports and making, making sure that these people are treated fairly and treated well and that these... That, that the houses are up to snuff. I mean, I report anything that I see on... Yeah. You know, and I've, I found many things that had to be repaired, like a pair of stairs that were ready to fall down and, and yeah. I hadn't reported them, but they replaced the stairs. Yeah, so. that, sounds, that sounds like a good job for you. No, Nolan Nails, Mrs. Nolan Nails is coming to review your group home. <laughs> so everything's going to be perfect. Nails, you know, you're tough. You're going to make sure all the group homes are good. Do I? And I, uh, when I went, I 
I decided that what I wanted to do was to make friends with the staff. I didn't want them to think I was going to come in and open up the refrigerator and tell them you got moldy food in it or something, you know? Right. Uh, I want, I when and I say, I'm here to help you. Um, if there's anything that you want fixed in the house, would you tell me about it? Um, any problems you're having? And so I've developed a very good relationship with the staffs that are in the house. Oh, good. And when I come, they're always happy to see me. And if I don't come, they'll say, why haven't you come to visit me lately? <laughs> <laughs> so cool. I, that was one of my goals, to develop a good relationship with them. Because this is an extremely difficult job. Yeah. With the, with the people that are uh, taking care of the disabled do, I mean, we have houses where these uh, children, now they're adults, uh, have spent their whole life in a bed uh, on feeding tubes and on, um, they can do nothing really. Uh, some of them don't even know where they are. I mean, that's how disabled they are. And then they, we have other houses like where my daughter lives. My, my daughter is, um, uh, schizophrenic. Um, uh, she she has strong, uh, very very bright when it comes to language. Uh, even as a young child learning language, she'd hear a word and it would become a part of her vocabulary. She loves words. Um, on the other hand, she has no concept of math whatsoever. Uh, even today, when she goes to the dollars tree to buy something um she'll say oh i've got three three things mom uh, uh well five dollars cover it uh, yeah ruth but you gotta remember the tax uh so math we just never were able to teach her math at yeah. all whereas on the other hand as far as reading she read when she was in first grade she was in the top reading group because I taught her how to read before she even went to school because she was fascinated with books. And I'd read to her every single day and she would memorize there. And if I read that story and I left out one word, she'd tell me, Mom, you didn't say such and such. <laughs> it's just, the brain is so decompartmentalized, you can't believe this. If you haven't experienced yourself to see how someone could be so extremely smart, and there's a place in Syracuse called Tulip Travel, and they take these developmentally disabled people all over the world. Uh, Ruth has been to Hawaii with them, to Alaska with them, to London with them, I mean, and she just loved to go on those trips with them, ate that up. Um, so there are people doing really good things uh, here for the developmentally disabled. The trips are very expensive, of course, but um, they do wonderful things. Yeah. No, and, and I think um, I think I think you've also made a huge difference. I, I know you've been in those committees for years and years and years, and um, I think you've also made a huge difference in those communities, you know? So I think, um, I don't know, I, I know that your life hasn't been easy um, with, especially in relation to um, you know, taking care of Ruth and, and, um, you know, experiencing the struggle that goes along with, with, uh, raising somebody like that. 
Um, but I think that you've done so many amazing things for, I, I know that you've been a part of those groups for years and you've probably done so many amazing things that I don't have time to even know about. <laughs> but, um, so, so I think that that's awesome. So, um, I don't know. That's, that's, that's really cool. Um, I want to shift gears here for the last 15 minutes um, because because I think your life is awesome, but I think um, one of the coolest things about your life from my perspective is that it had a massive impact on my life. <laughs> so um, do you want to talk about a little bit about um, your experience with with me and and um, so also can I can I kind of frame up um, your experiences with my mom really quick just so people understand your relationship with my mom? Sweet. So, so, um, my mom came, she, she grew up in Asheville where you grew up and, um, she lived with your brother who is my grandfather, um, grandpa Storman Norman Leroy, um, who, who had the, who had the Leroy disposition, who was so full of piss and vinegar that, uh, you know, he could, he would scream at the top of his lungs if you did anything wrong. <laughs> But, um, so, so my mom, my mom was his daughter and, um, she wanted to basically move to a bigger city because in Asheville, there's like two buildings and there's a church and there's a general store. And like, <laughs> so my mom was like, I need to get out of here. Um, <laughs> so she, she came to Syracuse and she lived with you and uncle Denny. And she, she tells me all the time of all these, like, arguments and fights that she would get into with Uncle Denny, um, where she'd bring home boys and Uncle Denny would be really pissed off and yell at the boys. And <laughs> But basically, you guys, through my mom's college experience, you guys basically um, helped her and kind of like raised her in that in that experience. You know, I mean, she was probably 18 through 22 or whatever, but but you guys helped her through that time period. And you guys developed, I feel like during that time, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys developed a really strong connection because my mom was also a teacher, correct? Well, uh, when your mom, uh, my earliest memories of, of, of her are, they were, she was maybe three or four. And at that time they were living in a trailer, I believe in Asheville, before they built, before they moved into their house. And um, I went there to visit, and she took my hand, and she was going to show me something. And I just, I became very attached to her. <laughs> uh, so uh, when she got older, was in high school, uh, she wanted to come and visit me all the time here in Syracuse. And uh, she... Um, would come, and of course I was close to this German family, and so she became part of that family too, and dated one of the boys <laughs> um, uh, during her high school uh, years, and then um, when she was when she graduated high school, uh, we took her to Germany as a graduation present visited our German friends there, and we traveled around Germany with her. And um, <clears throat> and then she came back and enrolled in uh, the uh, community college here. So uh, I think 
and that's that's a period of time when she moved in and lived with us. But um, it was not pleasant. Uncle Dunning was very very strict, and <laughs> he she didn't get home one night, and he expected her at a certain time, you know. And so finally, a car drove in, and he went right out to the car and opened the door and pulled her out. <laughs> so I thought, this isn't good. This is not. Good. <laughs> I mean, she's, you know, yeah. she's on her own for God's sake. You know, you can't, you can't treat her like she's a little kid. Yeah, from my mom's, from my mom's perspective, from my place to live. Yeah. From my, when my mom tells that story, she tells me about how she was in the car with her boyfriend and they were making out in the car and my, and my uncle Denny ripped open the car door and grabbed her by the shoulder and the arm and was like, come on. And he like yanked her out of the car and like dragged her home. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's true. <laughs> awesome. But anyway, cool. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I said, remember when you were young like that, and I, no, she, I told her she had to be home, and she said, blah, 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 okay, okay, okay. So, anyway, it was good. She moved out and, and got her own place with a, a friend of hers, yeah. which was not a good thing in a way because, well, yes, it was, but her friend got into drugs, and, and your mother said, no, I'm, I don't want to live with her anymore, and she got another place. Yeah, with my uncle. Which was good. Yeah. He grew up. <laughs> yeah. And then she... <clears throat> When she graduated from uh, the community college, she went to Brockport to get her, finish her degree and get her master's there. And that's okay. Well, I'm going to talk to her about her story someday. But anyway, I want to talk about how you came into where I came into your life, I guess. You didn't come into my life. I came into yours. Um, so I don't know. What What do you remember as your some of your first experiences with me? <laughs> I had a big head. I remember that. You were normal after that delivery. Is really amazing. I'm still not normal. Don't worry. She broke all the the blood vessels. Blood vessels in her eyes. I know that much. Really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. You eventually, eventually got here. I made an entrance. That's good. Four years. Four years, yeah. Um, they had babysitters then, probably. Um, so, uh, my earliest recollection probably is when you used to come to the cottage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you say that was about right? Yeah, it's I, mean, I don't remember you coming to my house on Dewey Avenue very often. No, we, we didn't really. Um, but yeah, I would we would come to the cottage and, um, I don't know, from my perspective, I... I mean, you were, you know, Uncle Denny was, <laughs> Uncle Denny was always kind of um, busy doing his own thing, you know. Uncle Denny had to have his dinner at a certain time, and then he would kind of just kind of read his own books and play the organ and, and do his own thing. 
And then I feel like you, you hung out with Jamie and me and you were like a big kid and you taught us how to be a kid and you, (laughs) (laughs) and we would, we would go swimming and we would like get all the rafts and stuff. And you had all these blow up rafts and we would go out in the lake and go swimming. And then you would take us fishing and I don't know, you would do, I, I always, I liked putting the worm on, but if, as I, I was, I would put the fishing pole in the water and I just like to hang out and I would hope that I didn't catch a fish because I know like, like grandpa Norm would make me take the fish off the hook. And I was terrified that when you, when you touch the fish, the spines of the fish cut into your hands. And I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so, so I would put the worm on the hook and I would pray that there would no, be no fish to bite the hook. <laughs> And if I ever caught a fish, you would always take the fish off for me. So I appreciated that. (laughs) Well, I know one time here, you and Jamie got something and you were building it. And Uncle Dennis came raving up. You kids have got my mother. I don't know what you took or what you were doing, but he had a fit. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, we were, we were building a raft. We were going to build a raft and go sailing on the, on the, on the lake. And Uncle Denny had, Uncle Denny had this styrofoam insulation that he would cover, he would cover his sails with his, his, cause he would love, he loved to windsurf. And so he would hold down his windsurf sails with, with these giant cinder blocks and he would, he didn't want to damage the sails, So he would put these big old things of, of, uh, insulation on them. And so Jamie and I took that insulation and we're cutting it up and we're building a raft out of it. And he was so pissed off that we touched his insulation and ruined his insulation that he, <laughs> oh, he had a fit. I don't know. It I know. Was... <clears throat> but I used to, um, <clears throat> I remember reading to you in bed. We would go, the three of us, you on one side of me and Norma Jean on the other <clears throat> and read. Uh, I'd read to you. I don't remember that. I don't know if you remember that or not. I don't know. I don't know. What would you read? Stories, like just kids' stories to you. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't remember now either. But I do know. I. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah. So so here's here's one thing I wanted to talk about. The some of the only photos that I have from my childhood are the photo albums that you have basically you basically cataloged every year of my life growing up from when I was like one years old to when I was like 18 years old. And that was one of the coolest things that I, that anyone has ever done for me because like, I, I don't know, like you're saying, it's like you forget those memories and, and I have catalogs of, of every year of my life for 18 years. And that's amazing. Um, so, so what, what prompted you to do that? Because I, I like taking pictures uh, uh, of the activities we were all involved in, and um, I, I I didn't think putting pictures in a box or something, people were ever going to look at them, and so I decided that, um, that it would be nice if you had your own album, and Jamie had her own album of, of your youth and what you did. And so I, I had a great deal of pleasure putting those together. Yeah. 
And and I I think um, I mean now now I mean I want to make a and I and I say this and people some people laugh at me about this but I want to I want to have a career as a filmmaker um, and and I want to make films for the internet and um, you know a lot of times I'm the main character so those those photo albums um, are some of the only you know, pieces of, of evidence of like this story that I remember, you know, and so that is, that is majorly important to me, um, to have these, these photo albums. So thank you very much for those. Like, I appreciate well, I, those. I'd forgotten about them. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't made them in so long now. <laughs> I mean, I know I, I, I did it, but if you come here to the cottage, uh, if you look, I've got a whole bookcase of albums of, of things that I did with Denny and Ruth and with you and with the Yurkuts. I mean, but I haven't done it now in years because of the cell phones and the... Yeah. I mean, now they're really, I mean, people don't take pictures like that anymore, don't make albums like that anymore. Yeah. But, but you're right, I mean, they do tell you what it was like for you as you were growing up. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I, I think that it takes a person, it takes a really sentimental person to, to think that far ahead, you know? Cause I think, I think a lot of people get caught up with the day to day. Um, and they don't think about the long term effects of their actions. And they don't think about, um, how meaningful something like that can be in, in years from now, right? They think that, that the current situation is going to last forever. And um, so they don't, they don't take any actions to preserve it. And so, I don't know. I just, I always thought that that was one of the coolest things that you've ever done. And I, I really appreciate those. So well, thank it's you. It's nice to know that you feel that way. Um, I know that it's, I want pictures of my childhood, but I don't have any because I have a few that I, and, and my sister does too, that we really cherish of pictures uh, at my grandmother's cottage, but I mean, or we had a, a houseboat, and my dad diving off a houseboat, and, but those pictures I have, but, but, but not a whole lot of, I mean, yeah. like when I was in the, the high school, I don't have any of the pictures of when I was in an operetta or anything, um, except in my yearbook. Um, yeah. So, no, I, I just thought to credit, to do that, I guess I just felt it was something I wanted to do. I'd taken the pictures and they showed you guys, and so I enjoyed doing it. Cool. Well, cool. Hey, um, Aunt Janine, it is, it is 8 o'clock, which means we have, we have talked for about two hours. So um, to wrap up here, I want to ask you, um, I want to ask you two questions in particular. Um, the first question is, what do you think your strengths and weaknesses are as a person, as an individual? I'm, I'm having a hard time though. No, you're okay. You're fine. What do you, what, what do you think your strengths and weaknesses are as a person? Your strengths what? and weaknesses. My strengths? Mm-hmm. And weaknesses. What do you think they are? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
I'm, I'm strong in getting along with people. Yeah. I have a lot of friends, wonderful friends. Uh, I've got some of them my age, but the, but I have, I mean, talk about the Yurkot family. Uh, Karen is uh, the youngest of theirs, and um, she is uh, a doctor now. But for Easter, she sent me a poem, and she said, I wrote this poem in German, and I'm sending it to you. Um, do you think you can translate it, and what do you think about it? And, I mean, can you imagine that she would do that after all of these years? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, it is, that she would think of something like that after all of these years, so I think I had a very good connection. Uh, with people. I, I have a lot of friends that I'm very close to. I go on trips with them. I had different, I used to go uh, down to Atlantic City and gamble with some of them. Cool. I didn't know that. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> I've gone on trips with them uh, to Cape Cod. I've gone, I mean, I, so I do things like that. Um, so I think I'm a I think people like me. I have that feeling that people like me. Yeah, you you told me once. You told me once that um, people tell you things because you're a good listener, and so so. Good listener. Yeah, that's what you told me once, and I I realized yeah you are you are a really good listener. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I and I, what I miss the most right now is I haven't seen these friends now in in a couple of months and. and and we're so close, you know, we go out to lunch together, we play cards together, we, and I really miss them a lot. Um, yeah. So that's one of my strengths, I think, is, uh, is having my friends. Um, cool. How about weaknesses? Oh, I think I'm very weak when it comes to my daughter. I think that she's learned how to control me pretty well. <laughs> so that's my weakest point. I, I want to do everything good for her, but um, it's, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. She's learned how to control me. And all she has to do is throw a fit. And, and Denny used to get at me all the time, you're too easy on her, you're too easy on her. Well, I know, but sometimes it's just, I give in too easily, I think, instead of, uh, But can I, can I just speak to that for a second? I think, um, I think you have dealt with challenges that very, very, very few people could have dealt with as elegantly as you have. Um, and I don't know, I don't think you should you know, I think that the fact that you have put, you know, you have, you have been able to deal with that in the way that you have for so long. Um, I don't think you should, um, feel bad about that because, you know, even if, even if you feel like, you know, sometimes you feel manipulated or, or whatever, and you feel like you're too, too easy. There are people who could not do what you have done. And even if they didn't have a choice, they would find a way to get out of it. So, um, you know, even if it's not perfect, I think that you are stronger than a lot of people out there. So, um, I don't know. Well, thank you for that, Noah. I of course. That. Of course. You know, because I'm sometimes embarrassed by her 
behavior around the family, but I think the family understands and um, accept her pretty much. But well, she's she was doing extremely well up until a couple of years ago. I mean, she was really on the right track and doing extremely well. But then she had a she was working in this workshop and um, earning a pay, and the government decided that they've got to close down. Uh, workshop so they don't want to segregate uh, the developmentally disabled which is ridiculous because we all choose who we want to be with and the developmentally disabled want to be together yeah. and they don't want to be out in the community working uh, say uh, alongside somebody in a normal job and they know that they're looked down on and called retarded and stupid and so on they want to be with people that like them we all we all gravitate toward people like us. I gravitate toward the people that like to play cards, like to go on trips, you know. Those are the people I gravitate toward. And the disabled, they gravitate toward the people that are like them, where they feel comfortable. Yeah. And the government is not, it doesn't understand that at all. Yeah, I think- We wanna make them normal, we'll put them in normal people. You can't make people that aren't normal, normal by putting them with normal people. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very interesting um, point, right? Because I think a lot of times people have these ideas um, that they think that they're doing good and when they go and they try to implement them, they're actually doing something really bad because they don't fully understand the situation that they're trying to force their ideas into. So I totally agree with you there. I have one last question for you before we end here and it's a very simple question. Um, do you have any heroes um, that you grew up with idolizing that you wanted to steal? You I'm know, having a hard time understanding you. Do you have any? Ha, do you have any heroes, or have you had any heroes throughout your life that you think have impacted you in specific ways? <clears throat> My father had the biggest influence on me. Yeah. Um, and even my sister says the same thing, that he had the biggest influence on us. Um, he was always there for us. Um, he had a lot of faith in us. Uh, and he didn't put up with any nonsense, and we respected him for that. So I would say that, um, and my father only had a sixth grade education. He was number 13 out of 14 children. and. By the time he was born, he had uh, nieces and nephews older than he was. But wow. anyway, uh, he loved school, um, but he dropped out in the sixth grade so he could go to work and, and help out uh, at home with the family. And uh, I have a lot of respect for that because my father loved uh, school and loved learning. But, and so and he's the one that insisted that I go to college and um, he said, you're not going to just work in a factory like I have. I want you to, you know, have a better uh, education. And uh, I think that influenced me with your sister. Um, growing up there in Asheville, uh, I felt the same way. I want to get her out of there. Uh, and she wanted to get out. Yeah. And and get an education too. And, and look what it's done. I mean, my father's influenced us in that respect. Yeah. Um, Without that push, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think my sister and I would have had the upbringing that we have had. And I don't think um, we would be doing the things that we're doing right now. And 
Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's another example of one little choice and one little action, one little decision that someone made snowballs into, like, entire people and entire, like, things, and, and that's, um, that's, that's really cool. Cool, Anthony, thank you so much for talking to me for two hours. I'm gonna go ahead and close this out. Is that cool with you? I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap this up. Is that okay? <laughs> awesome. Cool. Guys, thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed any part of this, let me know. Post a comment. Um, I'm, this is going to live probably on a podcasting app at some point in the future. Um, if you want to support me right now, you can do that by following me on Instagram at Noah Chrysler, or you can go to my page, Noah Chrysler. Right now, I'm doing a campaign where I will give anybody $5, and that's not a joke. I will give away $5 personally to you. I will send it to you. And as long as you do something awesome with that $5 for somebody else and just tell me the story, that is awesome. Again, we're trying to illustrate the idea that a small choice, like five bucks, can have a massive impact. It can have a snowball impact. Um, and especially at a time like this where everybody is either laid off or having struggling for different reasons, um, I, I thought that a campaign like that would, would not only be necessary, but um, be really impactful. So if you wanna go do that, um, if you wanna help me do that, you can send my videos that I, that I talk about that campaign with to your favorite creators. That helps me a lot. Um, thanks so much for watching, guys. Have a great day. And Janine, thank you so much again for talking. Have a wave, say goodbye. I wanna know who you were talking to. I was talking to the people watching us. <laughs> <laughs> Wave to them. Say goodbye. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Nice.